After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was, born, was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may, become, may come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, good morning again. Trenton, thank you for playing the bleak midwinter song. That is one of my favorite songs around this time of year, and I'm sure it was written by someone more famous than this guy, but I know it through James Taylor, and uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful song. If you wouldn't mind, I'm going to begin with a word of prayer before we dive into this passage, so let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come, Holy Spirit, come, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, for some of you, you thought Christmas was over, but not yet. We're actually going to spend today looking at this account that comes after the birth story of the Magi coming to Jesus. But before we dive into the passage, let's begin with a reflective question. Have you ever had a difficult time buying a present for someone? Has anyone ever had a difficult time buying a present for someone? See, I'm looking and I see some spouses and girlfriends and boyfriends glance over at their loved ones, and they're like, yeah, that's you, or that's me, right? So this Christmas, my soon-to-be 15-year-old, my 14-year-old, Caden, we said, hey, what would you like for Christmas? And he's in this awkward transition period, middle school to high school, and, and he's like, I don't know, I, I don't care. And so we, we kept peppering him, like, no, like, is there anything you might want, like, you know, and we, we wanted to be thoughtful with our generosity. And he's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. So his little brother, his little brother says something to me a few days after that. He, he, I, I said, hey, are you excited for Christmas? And Blaze says, yes. <laughs> and I expected a, a different answer than he gave. I said, why are you so excited? And he goes, because 
of the gifts I'm going to give. Specifically, he was referencing the gifts to his siblings. I don't know what's happening in my family, but our kids are getting most excited about gifting gifts to their brother or sister. And it's, it's really a beautiful thing. And so Blaze, hearing that Caden didn't know what he wanted for Christmas, began to study Caden throughout the month of December. And not only, uh, not only Blaze, but my wife and my daughter as well, they started studying this 6, 6, 14-year-old saying, what could he want? And so on Christmas morning, I didn't know what they bought, but on Christmas morning, Caden, I didn't know what to expect. He starts opening his gifts, and I brought these gifts. Caden was scared for me to bring these because he thought they might be pillaged, but he opens a two-and-a-half-pound bag of old-school lemon drops. Anyone here like lemon drops? Yeah? Yeah? A few? And then, gosh, a huge pack of Sour Patch Kids. Dr. Dave in the front row, second row. Hey, so, and, and, and he was stunned with gratitude. In fact, uh, he, would, he would turn to Blaze, and, and he would say these words. He would say, Blaze, you know the way to my heart. It was, it was such a cute moment, such a special moment, my 14-year-old to my 12-year-old. And my 12-year-old was just beaming because he had gotten it right. He had gotten my son's, my older son's heart right. And there's a truth to this, not only for my kids, but to the Christmas story as we see today. You see, if we truly know Jesus, we will know what to give to him. If we truly know Jesus, we'll know what to give to him. The challenge, though, is in our culture and in our passage, not all of us approach Jesus the same way. Specifically, many celebrate Jesus the babe, yet few bow to Jesus the king. Many celebrate Jesus the baby. Oh, so cute, silent night. Few bow to him as king. In fact, uh, I take this from D.A. Carson, a theologian, these categories. There are three responses we see in this passage. First, we see some choose to respond to the Christmas story if they're honest with hostility. Some respond even with apathy, and yet others respond with worship. So we're just going to unpack these three responses and see how and if we can relate. Number one, some respond to the coming of Jesus, the Christmas story, with hostility. The passage reads, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the day of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. Setting up the passage, let's look at the context of our text. In that day, and, and I would argue in our day, there is a thirst for power that rules the day. Okay? Let me tell you a little bit 
about Herod and Israel when Jesus was born. Israel was invaded and held captive, if you will, under this dictatorship of Herod and the Roman Empire. He was the local king appointed by the Romans. And he was a brilliant guy, and he was a rage-filled guy, a paranoid guy. Brilliant, he rebuilt the temple in Jerusalem. He rebuilt all these different buildings. He was entrepreneurial and very successful. But he was also a fearful guy, a paranoid guy, and if anyone crossed him, they would pay for it. Okay? So he would kind of suck, hoard power towards himself. And I just imagine this scene when the, the Magi enter from the east and they come with this interesting or disruptive message, okay? Imagine this. Hello? Yeah, we, we've seen the star. We've seen the star and we're looking for the king of the Jews. Now, one of the most understated passages in all scripture is when it says, Herod was troubled. He's the king. He's the king of that land, that place, those people. And you get some people from a foreign land saying, hey, we're coming to meet with the king. You can see how that would be disruptive, right? So immediately Herod sets out to find out what is going on, specifically who would dare threaten my kingdom. And what's interesting, the Magi, let's unpack this. I don't know what you think of when you think of the Magi. Essentially, they were sages. They were wise men from a foreign land. Most historians and theologians uh, tell us that they're either from Persia or Babylon, and they've traveled a long way to come see Jesus, the king of the Jews, or uh, another way of saying that is the Christ, the anointed one, the king. From my studies, they've traveled over 800 miles if they've come from Babylon. And it's not just a few uh, people. They would have brought a whole entourage. If you go 800 miles, you travel 20 miles a day, how many days does that take? Come on, mathematicians. 40 days. They would have been traveling for 40 days. And this, some would say, is even up to two years after the birth of Jesus, looking at the context of our passage. So you get these foreign sages. One theologian I love, he says, you get these foreign wizards. These are guys that would, that would look at ancient text, and um, they would look at the stars to determine what was what. Somehow, they knew to look for a star, not just a star, but the star. And what they're doing is they're referencing Numbers chapter 24, a prophetic verse, a messianic verse. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. So you get these non-Jewish people coming to Israel with this disruptive message saying, we've seen the prophetic star. Where's the king? We're ready to worship him. You can imagine how disruptive. It says not only was Herod troubled, all of Jerusalem was troubled with their arrival. You see, the coming of Jesus disrupts the positions of power in our world, and let me dig a little deeper, also in our hearts. 
In Romans chapter 3, the Apostle Paul would later write these words, There's no one who's righteous, no, not one. No one who understands, no one seeks for God. If you're doing any Bible reading plan this year, like a one-year Bible, you've probably been in the first few chapters of Genesis. This is how humanity got its beginning. God was, came as king and said, I want to make people in my image. Satan shows up, and man says, with Satan, we know better. And they immediately launch in rebellion. And as you see with Herod, and honestly, if we reflect in our own hearts, this Christian message, Jesus is baby, that's not too threatening. Jesus is king, that's a whole different story. Have you opened the Bible ever and read passages going, okay, I'll take this, but not this? Right? I love how Tim Keller writes about this particular passage in our hearts. At the core of the human heart is an impulse that says, no one tells me what to do. In every heart, then, there's a little King Herod that wants to rule and that is threatened by anything that may compromise its omnipotence and sovereignty. Each one of us wants to be the captain of our own soul, the master of our own fate. You see, with the Christmas message, or specifically the message of Jesus as king, some of us, and maybe all of us, are threatened a little bit. Hey, you're kind of coming over the line here with this message. Paul, Matthew, that's the first response we see in this passage. Some meet the message of Jesus with hostility. They're troubled, okay? Number two, some of us meet the message of Christmas or the coming of Jesus with apathy. In this, if you've grown up around the church or you've been in the church for a while, I really want you to tune in. The passage goes on, and assembling all the chief priests and scribes, he, Herod, inquired of them where the Christ was to be born, and they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for this child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way. You know, as you read this passage and you read all the Gospels, you've got to ask yourself, out of all the people in the story, what people group should be seeking the king? Was it the Magi, the non-Jews from maybe Babylon? Or was it the Jewish leaders, the religious leaders that had the scriptures handed down to them? Who should have been seeking the king? Let me ask it a different way. Who should have been able to see the star? They even give Herod, who summons them, hey, where, where's this Jesus? What's this all about? They give him the right answer. In fact, they quote Micah 5.2 in 2 Samuel 5.2. But here's the point. It's possible to have all the right answers and still be wrong. They were not seeking Jesus. And the story goes on with their absence. They don't go with the Magi to see Jesus. They're apathetic. 
They're indifferent. The coming of Jesus doesn't just threaten our kind of power, right? Our power structures in our hearts and our world. It also challenges our pride. So let's dig in. Have you ever had a prayer request or a longing that's gone unmet? And you've been in church every week of your life. You've been in scripture and you're like, okay, I see how it is, God. You don't answer me. You don't care for me. And this callousness begins to build. How about this? How about not only do you not see your longings answered, you see some new buddy and some nobody bring good news. Does that make you bitter? Now put it in the context of this passage in ancient Israel. We looked in the middle of the fall at a passage where the Israelites were exiled into Babylon. Now the story flips. The Babylonians, these wise men from Babylon, they're bringing the good news of Jesus to the people of Israel. Can you imagine how unsettling that might be? And if you're in their shoes... Do you blame them for saying, I don't, I don't know about this? And basically not taking it seriously or just rejecting it in general? That's what we see here. And honestly, I think that's a danger or a warning sign if you just come to church, you check the box. We're going to start the new year in the right way. Check the box. We're just going to do this. Check the box. And before you know it, you could be right and still be missing it. You could still be right and missing him, Jesus. Point number two is some of us, without even realizing it, we just do this church thing, this Jesus thing, with apathy. And then, of course, some of us respond with worship. The passage goes on and says, And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was, And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Some of us respond with hostility, some apathy, and some worship. And it's not just any worship. What I love, it's uninhibited worship. These are like wealthy people, okay, coming from a foreign land. And they meet Jesus and they fall to their knees in worship. In that moment, like everything changes. And, and here's the thing, like most likely they didn't know all the ins and outs of the faith. They're foreigners, remember? They probably studied, they knew enough. Maybe there were some Israelites that still lived in Babylon, But listen, like they fell down. There was an openness to how they responded to the good news of Jesus. And it begs the question, have you ever experienced that openness? Have you ever experienced unrestricted worship? And I don't necessarily mean, I've been to a church. I've been to a church where there's flags running around and there's like, you know, dancing. I kind of like it. But listen, listen. But even in the silence of your closet, have you ever fallen to your knees and said, God, I can't believe you've done this for me. This good news is for me. 
And there's so much promise that is just pouring out that's culminating in this passage. If you know Genesis chapter 12, there was this promise made through Abraham to you and to me. Abraham, I want you to leave your place and leave your people and follow me. And if you go into this promised land, I'll make you into a great name, the people into a great nation, and through you all the peoples of the earth will be blessed. And that's happening now with the story of the Magi. They can't believe they get to participate, that this good news came to them and is for them. And notice the gifts they bring to Jesus. They're treasures fitting for a king. They're not just approaching Christmas saying, hey, baby Jesus, here's a little something, something. They bring treasures fitting for a king. They bring their all and their everything before the king. Why? Because as Paul would later write, the Apostle Paul in Romans 1, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Can you say in your heart today, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for this is good news and it brings me exceeding joy. And I'm ready to go. I'm ready to fall down and worship him. I'm ready to give and go with him. That's what these foreigners, these outsiders are enjoying and embracing And God in this moment is ripping open his plans, his promises, and says, come on in. Everyone from all places, all walks of life, you're welcome here with this king. (laughs) I uh, was invited to New Year's Eve to several homes. I only lasted at one, okay? (laughs) We went to this one home, and uh, the host the hostesses, they were so beautiful, kids, whatever. There's a fire pit in the back. And as the night uh, went on, uh, this one person in our church, I'm not going to name him, but he's been at our church for about a year. And when he first came to our church, he was scared. He would sit in the back, back row, and he'd just kind of look at me, and I'd be preaching. He'd be, he gave him faces. And uh, it was very enjoyable and uh, we had an early coffee, and he's like, look, I, I grew up in this, like, really fundamental home, kind of behavior, do right, do wrong, this and that. So, like, Christianity was almost something that beat me up, didn't bring me in. You fast forward to the spring, I got this email from this gentleman, and he said, thank you for creating a safe place for me to continue my faith journey. I have found my tribe. then you fast forward to this last fall and we preached on seeing the flourishing not only of our hearts and our families but of our cities Charleston and and that hopefully through our church and our city other cities would flourish he came up to me after that service and he said hey I I just want to let you know like my family is flourishing because of this church thank you then after the men's hike we had how many men go on the hike 30 Something like that, 30. 
This guy comes back, and he, and he tells me, he's like, I couldn't stop. He, first of all, he was terrified he was going to get eaten by bears. I, I really apologize for all the men that went that were actually really scared. Turns out he didn't sleep at all the first night, literally didn't lay in his sleeping bag, sat in a chair looking at the woods with a flashlight all night. But he said the heavens opened up for him on that trip. And he came back, and he said, for three days I couldn't stop crying. So then Ellen has a great idea of inviting this guy to her house for a fireside chat. This guy would not stop talking about Jesus the whole night. It was like crazy, right? Ellen actually even came up to me, can you intervene? Like, am I lying? Am I lying? It was crazy. But you see, he got what the Magi got. God revealed his heart and his love to this man. And through this man, this man's family, an extended family, and he was all in. Some of us respond to the Christmas story with hostility, others with apathy, and some of us fall to our knees and worship the king. Just to wrap this up, let me just say this. The Christmas story is not just about the celebration of a baby, but the declaration of the king, King Jesus. And it's something I think we're all invited into and challenged by. And as we enter 2019, kind of three takeaways, just using the Magi as an example. The first is this. Will you come to the king? No matter the hurdles, no matter if you're an outsider, these people most likely traveled over 800 miles to come to the king. Will you do what it takes to come before the king? Will you travel to him? Number two, will you bow to him? Will you bow to him with unrestricted worship in whatever way that looks, right? But will you bow to him and say, not my will, but thy will be done? And will you, in that process, I, if you're not ready, will you seek to understand him and build a relationship with him? Draw near to God and he will draw near to you is the promise in scripture. And last, will you give to him Will you bring him, not just, just bring him your all and your everything, recognizing he's not just a little baby, he's a king. What does that do to your finances, to your family, to your life decisions? Friends, in 2019 and beyond, embrace Jesus as king. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the story of the Magi, I know often we think we don't belong here. Many of us think we're outsiders, but you welcome us in. Thank you for the gift of your son, not just as a baby, but as the king. God, I pray that that would change everything for every one of us. And it's in his name we pray.